Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Good evening, good morning, good afternoon, good whatever. Happy Easter. Welcome back to the Fourth Italian Football Podcast. I'm here. Ewan is here. Ewan, hello. Hello. Are you enjoying your Easter weekend? This is a very strange Saturday night recording for us. Yeah, I'm enjoying it. It's messing with my head, but I'm getting, I'm getting by. I'm still enjoying it. It's messing with my head a little bit as well, because we have these these four days of football spread over... Well, just three with a, with a day off in the middle for Easter Sunday. But I did mention it's a Saturday night recording. We are recording before the end of Lazio's game against Torino. Now, they're 1-0 down as we record this with about half an hour left to play. But we will be doing another podcast on Tuesday to talk about Lazio, Torino, Napoli, Roma and Atalanta Verona. That will be available to patrons the five euro and ten euro patrons over on patreon.com slash sports italian football so if you want to hear us talking about that head over to patreon and get on it but the reason you and i are here today is because well there there are no games on sunday so seven of the ten games have been concluded for the round and i'm going to back them on monday so it, it, it didn't really leave us with too many other options but the football results as they stand so far, we had two of the three title contenders go head-to-head on Friday night. Inter won 3-1 away at Spezia, and then Milan did their job by beating Genoa 2-0 at home. Saturday kicked off with Cagliari getting a huge 1-0 win over Sassuolo. Udinese scored four goals, beating Empoli 4-1, and I don't really know what's happening with Udinese in recent weeks. Salernitana then scored two in eight minutes and beat Sampdoria 2-1. Fiorentina beat Venezia 1-0 and Juventus-Bologna finished 1-1. As I said, Torino are currently 1-0 up at Lazio, but there's still 30 minutes, give or take, left to play there. And then we've got Napoli-Roma, Atalanta-Verona on Monday evening. So, Ewan, we've got to start at the top. As tempting as it is to start with the madness that was Juve-Bologna, we'll start with Inter and Milan. And I guess Inter are only right to go to first. They started the weekend and got, a, I guess, a routine win away at Spezia, even if it was a little bit nervy at the end? Yeah, I think I think if I were Simone Inzaghi, I'd almost think this was perfect in the sense that they won. You know, they scored three goals, but also it wasn't easy. Um, I think Spezia gave gave it a very good go. They put in a very good show of themselves. That, you know, they were never meant to win this game. But, you know, there was periods of the game where you felt like Inter were going to going to concede, going to possibly crumble under a bit of pressure. And, you know, they're not at a point of the season where they're learning things or anything like that. But it was a different sort of win to the previous two wins. And I think a lot can possibly be taken from that, especially towards the end where, you know, they really needed that third goal. They were genuinely under pressure. And if they had thrown that way, suddenly everything has got a totally different spin on it. Do you know what? In my head, 
it, it was a 2-1 win. I've kind of forgotten that that Alexis yeah. Sanchez goal happened when it did, but it it was a two-goal win, really, because that Julio Majore strike came in the 88th minute. Marcelo Brozovic and Lautaro Martinez had scored earlier for Inter, and they did look pretty comfortable for most of it. There were those cagey few minutes after Majore scored. Sorry, I'm just laughing watching you shuffling around. It, you're, you're in a different place. You're sat on a bed, and I'm not used to seeing you. <laughs> I muted it, and then you've stopped to laugh about it anyway. I may as well have <laughs> just left it on. Because I looked at the camera, and then all of a sudden your chest was just there. And I was like, what are you doing? I'm just well, apologies. <laughs> Apologies. The the goal scorers though for Inter, Alexis Sanchez, Lautaro Martinez, and Marcelo Brozovic. Important for Lautaro to score again. Alexis coming off the bench to make an impact as well, and Brozovic kind of stepping up really when Inter need him. You know this final stretch of fixtures before the end of the season. This is when the title is being decided, and you could argue that their players are are coming into form at the, at the right time yeah it could be deeply important that his injury was a small injury because I think if there's anyone in that team that you remove and it makes a difference it's him you know we saw that in the games that he was missing they're just a very different team without him the goal was a very very satisfying goal he just slapped it into the top corner um a fun stat it was a slap wasn't it it was yeah it was more of a slap than Will Smith on Chris Rock, that, to be honest. Like, it was beautiful. Yeah, there was a contemporary reference. <laughs> <laughs> but the, the, a fun stat that um, I saw yesterday, many others may have. I think it was an up to one, obviously. Um, I think he, Brozovic is the 17th different scorer this season. I was surprised he hadn't scored already. I felt like he had. Maybe it was just in the league, I'm not sure. Um, that does seem strange. Yeah, it does feel weird. But I swear I've seen him score in a stadium this season, but I mustn't have. He <laughs> didn't specify if it was just in Serie A, but I feel like he has scored at some point. But um, he scored in the Champions League. I remember him scoring away at Sheriff, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. So yeah, it must be in the league. But if he's the seventeenth, apparently they've only ever had more than that in two seasons, and it was eighteen. Mm. So I don't know who's left that hasn't scored. But um, if they do some scoring, they're going to get a new record. <laughs> Yeah, and that's nice for everyone. I, I think there's only one team in, in Serie A who've had more goal scorers than into this season as well. I think Atalanta have 18 or 19. Um, that makes sense. To, the turnover. Yeah, and, and given that they've not had any strikers fit for most of the season, or if they are fit, they've not been informed. But Inter, Inter, Inter. Um, one of their strikers, Lautaro, he's, he's had a bit of flack, rightly so, often as well, but he got a good goal just kind of a few seconds after he missed a chance that he might have expected to score. And usually I'm one of the people who's quite critical of Lautaro and that I think that when he misses chances, I just expect him to continue missing chances for the rest of that game. But the fact that he reacted so well to that one and, and put his, his second chance away uh, bodes well, I guess, for, for Inzaghi. Yeah, I think that's, that's the way it has to be viewed. I mean, he's had a pretty torrid... 2022 and obviously there was the, the hat-trick against Len Sarno and the goal against Liverpool sort of made it seem a bit better but you know ultimately those goals didn't mean a great deal um, and he just needs to be consistently scoring and it was quite an instinctive finish but I know what you mean about him he, I still struggle to feel like he's 
a prolific goal scorer and ever will be mm. the sort of 25, 30 goal a season player. I can almost imagine him dropping back into a Dybala role in a few years' time if he ends up being that sort of player. He's not quite got the that killer instinct of like that, say, Lukaku had in that team where he just took every chance that fell his way. But, you know, he's still a deeply talented player. But if, if he can score five more goals this season, that's yeah. providing other people do what they need to do. That should be all they need from him. We do have good news, Serie A fans, and it is that we finally have a date for these games in hand that so many teams have. So Inter will play Bologna in that game that could see them go top as leaders again on Wednesday, April 27th. And that is the same day when Salernitana play Venezia, Fiorentina play Udinese and Atalanta play Torino. So those games, Bologna, Inter and Atalanta, Torino are probably ones that people have been speaking about for quite a while now. I can't remember when the Inter game was originally supposed to be, but the the Atalanta one was the 6th of January. It was when I came back. I was supposed to be going to it when I landed. But Inter was the same day, I think, or possibly the day after. But they were all from that set of fixtures. But yeah, so so we know the kickoff times for what's left of April. And then all that's left to be decided are the final four rounds. I think it's 38, 37, 36 and 35 that are going to take place in May. So we're getting there. We're getting there. Um, Milan kind of... I mean, they didn't convince, did they? They got their three points. They beat Genoa 2-0. But Junior Macias kind of killed it off in the 87th minute after Rafael Leao had opened the scoring after 11. And Milan just kept missing chances without having too many clear chances. But they had enough that they should have put this out aside a little bit earlier. Giroud had a chance that you would have backed him to score. And had he been playing against Inter or Juve, he probably would have scored that chance, you feel. Um, But it doesn't matter because after two consecutive disappointments and upsets and draws and stalemates and all of those bad words. They got three points and they reacted to the challenge Inter had put down for them. Yeah, I think you can never quite define at what point this becomes the case, but I think we are now into the bit of the season where we can talk about the overall performance and whether they convince and stuff all we want mm. and you know obviously there is something in that but essentially now it's points 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 like if, yeah. if, you, if you get scrappy wins for the next six games and you win the league who who the hell cares um but you know if 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 i were a milan fan based on the previous games and that performance against genoa i'd be really hoping that the whole idea that they play better against better teams is true because the fixtures are not particularly kind to them. There is not mm. one game there where you go, you know, there is no home to Genoa in that room. Um, it's all sort of mid to upper table candidates, quite a few of them away from home as well, in places you don't want to be going when you really need something. I'll just uh, list through them while you're talking about that. So they've got Inter in the Coppa Italia semi-final second leg. That's poised that nil-nil from the first leg. So that is still everything to play for. Then they go away to Lazio. They host Fiorentina, they go away to Verona, they host Atalanta, and they go to Sassuolo. So I personally find it hard to see Milan getting through those five Serie A games without dropping a single point. I, I just don't see how they can do it. And it, that's not because it's Milan, it's because it's Lazio, Fiorentina, Verona, Atalanta, and Sassuolo. And 
they're not easy games by any stretch of the imagination, even if you are better against the bigger teams than you are against the lesser sides. No, not at all. And I think they're just going to need a lot to go their way. You fear that they've hit this sort of slight mental block at the exact same time that Inter have gotten out of theirs. You know, I think, I think the, the timing is just possibly not right for them. They may well prove wrong and just getting that win over Genoa might be enough to just clear their minds and they'll be a really good, efficient football team like they have been for most of the season. But I do fear for them slightly. I've, you know, as we were saying to Kev last week, obviously we all just keep flipping between who we think is going to win every single week, but I, I, I am now back in the intercamp <laughs> yeah. in that respect. I think it's quite hard not to be right now. I've got a question for you. You probably know the answer to this, but before last night, when was the last time that Milan scored more than a goal in the ma- in a match? Oh, you say you think I'll know the answer. I never know the answer. Because <laughs> <laughs> I don't have a memory. It doesn't exist. So what uh, we'll do is I'll go back through the teams they've played, starting from that last game, working backwards, mm-hmm. and you say stop when you think they scored two goals, okay? Wait, so you're you're gonna start from their most from the I'm gonna start with the most recent and work back in time as I go. Okay. Right. Um so obviously they beat Genoa 2-0. Before that they played Torino. Before that they played Bologna. Before that they played Cagliari. Before that they played Empoli. Before that they played Napoli. Before that they played Inter. Before Inter definitely. But I'm not sure. This is the Coppa Italia Inter apology. Oh, okay, right now. Before that, they played Udinese. Before that, they played Salernitana. Go on, say, say stop. <laughs> sure, surely there. <laughs> yeah, they they went ahead twice in that game against Salernitana. Yeah. No, they went ahead and then they went two one behind and then they drew two two. So they haven't scored twice in a game since they played. Salernitana on February 19th. So that's two months. Jesus. Uh, they've they've kind of hit a bit of a, a brick wall in front of goal. But something that will be encouraging for the Rossoneri is that Rafael Leao scored again. And he had been so good, so consistent. And then he just stopped with goals and with assists. But his finish was beautiful the other night. Pierre Calulu's cross yeah. as well was gorgeous. But Leao's finish... We need to talk about that because you and we're living in a world now, right? Where everyone's obsessed with passes and everyone's obsessed with assists that people are forgetting to appreciate the, the finish. Now I, I was a little bit, I was seething in midweek when, when Luka Modric did that <laughs> ridiculous pass and Rodrigo finished it. Not one person other than me on Twitter, mentioned Rodrigo's finish. The finish was incredible. And he was just off the bench as well. It was, what, his first touch or something. And the same thing happened here. Everyone's losing their minds about Kalulu's cross, which was gorgeous. But what a finish that was. Come on, we've got to give Leo credit. It was so nicely cushioned. It was, like, you just know that he didn't feel that leave his foot. Because yeah. he, just, he just sort of gently cushioned off into that little bit of the side net and where it does that nice little bounce as well. sort of like Cushioned just like the shirt you've got on your chest right now, right? Yes, the extended shirt. 
if I can match the lines up. <laughs> I need to stop referring to things that nobody can see <laughs> other than me. <laughs> trying to line up with it. For the listeners, Ewan is sitting half on a cushion that almost perfectly matches the design on his t-shirt. So it's quite confusing because it's orange and white horizontal lines. He's taking a selfie of himself and he's going to, I assume... I can assure you that's turning my shoulders in it. (laughs) Yeah, I could see the way the the phone was being angled, but I'm assuming that's going to get posted to social media. Otherwise, I don't know why you just took that selfie. But continue. Get back onto Liao's goal, please. (laughs) Well, um... It was nice. <laughs> I mean, it's it's no secret really? that we really like Rafaelio, and I think any yeah. goal that he does has a certain level of aesthetic niceness. Let's put it that way. Like every every goal he does feels satisfying to watch more than many other players, and lots of people can do the goal that he did. But you know, he did it really nicely. But like you said, Kalulu's cross was also absolutely pinpoint. The the verb do does a lot of heavy lifting for you, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. <laughs> there you go again. <laughs> it, it doesn't even talk about a goal I'd already talked about. <laughs> I, I think you mentioned, I, I think you said do three times in that description rather than saying scored or something similar. <laughs> but I've noticed that. And you know what? You got me in a bit of bother recently because I was chatting to a friend who visited me here in Parma and I used the verb to do in an odd way and it was because i'm usually speaking to you in english more than i speak to other people i think (laughs) um and then he was looking at me saying what do you mean why did you say that and it was it was a whole thing but it's your fault and i hope you realize that you've influenced my english negatively what i I could have said that would i I often say like that someone did a goal or something like that in, in a sort of I say a joke, like it's not funny, but you know, yeah. I mean, like, in a, a non serious I can't think how how else I use the word. Do. I, you might say like he he did a he did a a foul, he did an offside. I, I feel like they're very on brand <laughs> things for you to say. Yeah, yeah, I'll grow out of it. <laughs> I'm not sure you will. I think you've grown into it, and it's it's here to stay now. Um, but Milan, I don't want to be negative about them but I just can't see like I've said it already I can't see them getting through to the end of the season with maximum points and I think anything other than that won't be enough for them to win the title because I can see Inter just going on a run and and getting all of the points that they need to to hold on to the Scudetto again yeah I think I, I am in that school of thought the only thing that could you know save Milan if they do end up dropping points is the fact that they all seem to drop points very readily. I mean, you know, you compare it to some other title races, um, particularly thinking of England here. And, you know, it's a different dynamic where it's just win, 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 win. You wonder when somebody might lose, whereas we've got a different sort of title race where, you know, um, it was, it was running through the facts. Somebody ran through it on something I was listening to. Um, But, the statistics around when all three of Napoli, Inter, and Milan win, and like how many weekends that's happened on, it's like yeah. over, basically, you know, one of them always drops points. Um, I heard so, that same stat, and I can't think where it was either. Yeah, it's annoying right now. I can't think what I was listening to, but um, I think it might have been. 
Oh no, I've forgotten. <laughs> well, is it maybe a tweet? I feel it feels like something Patrick Kendry might have tweeted. I heard it audibly. I didn't read it. Mm. I don't know how much I listen to that's about, about this stuff. <laughs> I think it might have been either Andy Brassel or Nicky Vandini. Yeah, what, on, on the continent? Yes, but anyway, because um, I listened to that today. So, look, it doesn't <laughs> matter, does it? <laughs> Stats are that. Um, what were you saying? Yeah, yeah, but the point stands that the only thing that might save Milan is that, you know, not winning all of their remaining games, you know, might not necessarily mean they don't win the title mm. because lots of point dropping is going on very regularly. We'll see if... If Napoli do it again, I've just done it. I've just done weird verbs again. Haven't I? <laughs> no, you, you, were, you were on the verge of it. Um, so they're doing the point dropping. Um, <laughs> but someone else who did a lot of dropping today, unfortunately, was Bologna because they were 1 0 up against Juventus. And then, I mean, all hell broke loose at the Allianz Stadium. Now, I know you had a dinner that you were trying to to get to but you you managed to stick around for long enough to see the madness and then you ran away for your dinner so mm. it it all just went a bit wild didn't it because Adama Sumaro brought down Alvaro Morata on the edge of the box and initially it wasn't given as a foul at all right it was just play on and then the referee or else it was given as a free kick I can't remember but the referee, least... maybe, but the referee went over to his, his pitch side monitor anyway and, and looked at it again and then started to come back onto the pitch and then stopped and then was having quite clearly having contact with the, the VAR. They were clearly discussing whether or not it was in the box or outside the box. They, they had acknowledged that it was a foul, but they didn't know if it was a free kick or a penalty. The referee comes back on. Sumaro sent off. Rightly, it's the most obvious denial of a goal-scoring opportunity you can ever see. I mean, Morata is about to shoot from the edge of the 18-yard box. So I don't understand the argument that it wasn't a red card if it was a foul. And it was quite clearly a foul too. Um, but then Gary Medell um, <laughs> seems to... Gary Medell clearly hasn't realised that it's not a penalty, right? Medell thinks that the referee's coming on to give a penalty and a red card. So Medell just starts getting angry and the referee gives him a yellow card. And then Medell just keeps being angry or doing an angry. So then he gets a second yellow card, obviously. At least I think he did. It might have been a straight red because of the way it was distributed. It looked like it was a straight red. But I have a bit of sympathy for Medell here because... The way the referee dealt with him didn't look to diffuse the situation. Now, I, I forget who specifically was in charge of this game, so I, I don't have the referee's name to hand. Probably not a bad thing, but... I do. <laughs> okay, I don't I don't think we should mention it because people talk too much about individual referees and all of the sorts. The name's but, the famous one. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, okay. <laughs> so... When Medell gets his first yellow card, the referee doesn't try to calm him down, but he rises to it, and he responds by screaming in Medell's face as well, which is obviously just going to lead to Medell getting angrier again, you know, because his nickname is the Pitbull. 
He's, <laughs> he's not a man who's known for being level-headed. So I feel like the referee provoked Medell and then was just like, ha you took the bait. There's your red. I, I was quite uncomfortable with the second um, card, whether it was a straight red or whether it was a second yellow. I think it was a straight red, though. Um, then obviously Juventus went on to, to level. I mean, they, they missed the free kick, but Dusan Vlaovic scored in the 95th minute with, with eight minutes added on. Um, it was a bit mad. I don't know what else there is to say about this game. It was rubbish for 84 minutes, and then it was mad. Yeah, I, I've, I'd love to come with a differing view on the ref thing, but that's exactly how I felt. It, it just... Really? Well, I thought it was yeah. coming at that with like a unique angle there, but thanks. Well, so so did I. I thought it earlier. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I know what you mean. In, to me, the way that... I'm, I'm fully on board with the idea that Medell gobbed off at him and therefore he needed a yellow. That That's mm. by the by. Fine. It's Gary Medell, and he did. Um, <laughs> but then, the by the way, when I said the namesake of a famous referee, I'm, I'm talking rubbish. I mean the namesake of a famous old manager. Um, but we'll move on. <laughs> I'll just say it's Juan Lukasaki, right? <laughs> oh, <okay>. but, <laughs> um, but then the second yellow or straight red or whatever, it's so quick that the ref just yeah. is screaming in his face. And to mm. me... Now, referees have different styles and some shout more than others. Others say nothing and remove themselves and let it diffuse itself and everything, you know, and that's fine. But the way he just screamed in his face so quickly and the way he whipped out the red card, yeah. it all looked a little bit unhinged to me. It well, just... it, was. it was. It was a referee who had lost control of the match he was supposed to be controlling, yeah. wasn't it? The other factor is we don't know what Medell said. Yeah. And, you know, we, we probably never will. It, it might have been the most heinous thing ever for a week. Give, it a, give but... it a day. Well, no. <laughs> yeah, but like you know, unless he said something truly horrendous, and I don't know what the barometers are for what you have to say to get yourself a straight red or second yellow, but it was very fast, and I'm not sure how yeah. many words Medell could have possibly gotten in before he decided that you've talked yourself even further to being sent off. It's basically once you you question the like the integrity of the referee, right? So if you suggest that he is favoring a team, I think you. You are walking a line, and yeah, yeah, against yeah. Juventus, it, it's quite possible the players say things like that. that. He was going like that with the badge, wasn't he? Which he I, was. I, I took to mean, you know, we're Bologna and we're Inter, and so you know, obviously this is happening. That's yeah, that's how I took that. Which, but um, that was importantly, that was quite a little bit after the red card as well, because he stayed yeah, about for a bit. Yeah, um, he he was pointing to the badge, and he did very well to spot a camera i thought because he picked out a camera perfectly and he was kind of walking towards it and he was waving the badge i, I thought it was it was great great scenes but you and uh, good gift material it was absolutely right bologna admin should get on top of that because gold there but the match was dreadful bologna were very unfortunate but i don't care about that because it's april and juventus launched a fourth kit there's five weeks of the season left and Juventus have launched a new kit that won't see the light of day after this season. How can you launch a new kit in the 33rd round? And not only that, it's rubbish. They wore white shorts and white socks with, a again, another patched blue and yellow shirt. Oh, I'm glad it's, Kev's not here. It was, it was a naff training shirt as well. As well. That's what it looked like. Mm. Yeah, like a lot of clubs have sort of slightly mental 
training shirts or jackets. Juventus included, they've got that yeah. black one with multicolored on. Yeah, and um, and to me it looked like that. I mean, in terms of being unrecognisable in your own stadium, my dad didn't realise who was playing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mentioned it and he was like, oh, is that? I, I, I thought they'd be in black and white. It was like, <laughs> you'd think, wouldn't you? Because this is their game. <laughs> and they're against the team. You've, you've not yet. watched enough Serie A in the recent years, Dad. <laughs> well, that's, that's what kind of made him realise that he wasn't watching what he thought he was watching because I started moaning about that you can't even recognise teams anymore in Serie A because everyone's got a mad kit on, every, or at least the big teams have got a mad kit on every single week. And this was not only mad and annoying and warm in the wrong place, but also doesn't look very nice. I don't know how much it costs. Um Hundred quid or lot. something, probably. Yeah, too much. That's, yeah, that's nineteen oh and too many quids. I do quite like that. You pay one for it. Oh, I mean, it's got to be something, isn't it? I suppose it's, someone's made it. I don't know. I mean, <laughs> well, I'm, I, don't I wouldn't want wear to. it if I were paid. To be honest with you, <laughs> but I, I do quite like. Alison McKenzie pointed this out to me on Twitter that Bologna have clearly taken it upon themselves to police these ridiculous kits because they held Milan last week when or two weeks ago when they wore that the worst kit of all time and now they've done it against Juventus for their stupidity and audacity of launching a kit in April Um, so thank you Bologna there's a lot to like about the way they play as well of late and I know they're going through a really difficult time given that Sinisa Mihailovic has taken ill again Um, but they've been putting in incredible performances in his absence too to give them credit. They beat Sampdoria last week and then they held Milan the week before and now they've held Juventus. Both of those draws coming away from home too. So a lot of credit there. Uh, At the bottom, at the very, very, very bottom, Salernitana beat Sampdoria 2-1. They went 2-0 up inside eight minutes through Federico Fazio, still about, and Ederson. And then Chicho Caputo level, well, pulled one back with half an hour played and, and that was kind of it. Sampdoria are... What are Sampdoria? Are they relegation threatened? They're seven points above the drop now. Venezia have that game in hand. Is are they still likely or threatened to go down? I think they're they're I think they're fine, but through no none of their own doing. If that makes sense, mm. it's not because they're too good to go down or anything like that. It's it's just that I think the bottom three looks pretty well set now. I can't see a world where any of those well, I say three, any of those two um, suddenly get enough points. Do you know what though? Somebody I'm, st- I'm still not convinced that Genoa are getting relegated this season. Well, because know, but... <laughs> they've got they've got Cagliari next. And then yeah. after that they've got Samp. So if they beat Cagliari and Samp, they're suddenly on twenty eight points and let's be honest, Samp will still be on 29 and Cagliari will probably still be on 28. And then it's there. And then, all right, they've got Juventus and Napoli, but Napoli will have bottled everything by then. And then they've got Bologna on the last day of the season. So Genoa are going to win at least three of their last five games and they'll draw another and lose one. And Genoa are going to stay up somehow. They're going to do it. That's good news for them then, isn't it? It is good news. Sorry, Vito Doria. Um, he's, <laughs> he's sick and he's listening to this. <laughs> I'm so sorry that you've had to go through that, Vito. But I, I just can't. Sit there accept. in front of your whiteboard, <laughs> explaining frantically <laughs> why Sampdoria are going down. 
<laughs> I didn't necessarily say Samp are going down, but I don't think Genoa are. I something inside me just won't allow me to accept it. Um, even though they lost two 0 to Milan this weekend, and they got kind of pumped by Lazio last time out. But let's ignore that because I want to make a point that that doesn't support. Um, Cagliari beat Sassuolo one nil. Now this was a big win, and Alessandro Deola, who I feel scores in all of their big wins, got the goal today against Sassuolo. A surprise win for the Sardinians. Yeah, and like you say, an absolutely huge one because um, if if by what I was saying, we don't want to put Sampdoria in that teams that can go down. To me, it is between Venezia and Cagliari. Um, you know, I, I think that could be the win that they look back on really and go, do you know what? That was that was the really important one. That was the one that made the difference that widened that gap because as we mentioned before, Venezia lost again. Um, <laughs> I, I think they've done enough and that is not a, not an easy team to beat. It does it does further peddle the fact that despite the fact they've been quite good recently, Sassuolo are one of the weirdest teams in the league and in Europe and in the world. In the, <laughs> like, they, they can just blow people away and then go and tamely lose 1-0 away at a team at real danger of going down. And that's, that's how they do. Venezia did lose 1-0 away at Fiorentina, which in and of itself can happen. But at this time of the season, it's a little bit more painful than it might have been in December or November or even January. I didn't see this game because it was at a time that you can't watch games here. But um, ah. just from the highlights, I know that the goal went in on the half-hour mark. As you have to say, you can't say 30 minutes, it's on the half-hour mark. <laughs> but... Like, nearly all the highlights is a series of Fiorentina chances, even before mm. the goal went in. Like, they they just battered them. <laughs> um, and I think that says a lot that there probably should have been a lot more goals in that game than there was, and Venezia were never really going to get anything out of it. Udinese won 4-1, and I, I don't know what's happening in, in Udinese in the last few weeks, yeah. but the I guess team. let's not get carried away. But I guess we've got to give a little bit of credit, as as Patrick Kendrick was keen to point out on Twitter, to Gabriele Cioffi, who came in in December to replace Luca Gotti. I say came in, he was he was there, but Luca Gotti was dismissed and, and he took the job until the end of the season. And uh, he's doing all he can to get it on a permanent basis, given their recent results, and they're not even in the relegation fight anymore. No, not at all. Um, and, you know, at risk of certainly carried away, but they're actually edging into a territory of that they're worth watching because a lot of their games recently have featured a lot of goals, not only goals, but good ones as well. They keep scoring good ones, quite a lot of long, long range ones. Um, and they've got, that's another like, thing you do is saying ones a lot. Well, I, I, really <laughs> <want to. laughs> I wouldn't say I do generally, but I did do it a lot there. <laughs> um, but they've got players like Betu, De La Feu, Molina, um, among others, who are nice players. They are fun yeah. to watch and they do seem to have clicked quite nicely. I think you can almost be at a point now as their fans where you don't want the season to win. Suddenly you think, this, this is a lot more fun than what we were doing for the first like, seven months or whatever. Um, and yeah, I say that with, I've still not actually found myself tuning don't into it. Because no. <laughs> the second I do, it'll all disperse and they'll, exactly. they'll stop scoring goals. It'll all melt away. But for now, they are 
bordering on interesting. Lazio Torino's just finished. Lazio scored in the 92nd minute to Ciro Mobile, obviously, to, to cancel out Pietro Pellegrini's opener for Toro. So that leaves the door open with Atalanta and Roma both playing on Monday night. Atalanta home to Verona. They'd probably have rather that game to be away. And Roma are on the road at Naples, Napoli. So tough games, but the European race is just as exciting as the title race this season, which is quite nice. I said the European race, the Europa League race, because the Champions League probably still going to be Juventus's, unless Roma win yeah. at Napoli. Then it's ooh, maybe the door is a, a bit ajar. Anyway. That'll do it. We will be back again for patrons, patreon.com slash Forza Italian football with another podcast to talk about the remaining round 33 games after we've enjoyed some Easter festivities and uh, I've enjoyed a, a Pasquetta, a little Easter, as they call it here in Italy, which is one of my favorite names of a holiday. Uh, Easter Monday in Bergamo is going to be nice. So, Ewan, thank you for your time this Saturday evening. And if you would ever be ever so kind to to say goodbye to the listeners, and then I will not speak again for this podcast. Goodbye, listeners. Campionato di calcio italiano.